Well, good morning. Well, good morning. I know you can't see me. I'm in the back here. I have a special guest with me today. His name is Arbor, and he's a sheep. And uh, Arbor is here to help me kick off this series about a shepherd. Have you heard the story about the shepherd? It's called the 23rd Psalm. And in the 23rd Psalm, we hear about a great, great shepherd, our great shepherd. Yeah. Arbor's a friendly guy. Uh, they told me not to pet him on the head. I found out afterwards that I shouldn't pet him on the head. Uh, and, um, but he's, he's here to help me kick off this series about the shepherd. You've heard the story out of the 23rd Psalm about the shepherd and about this great shepherd that we have who is in heaven. And part of what I want to invite you to think with me about today is that this story about the shepherd is really a story that David gives to us about how to learn to deal with our stress. Anybody here have any stress in your life? Yeah, well, over the next five weeks, six weeks, including today, we're going to be looking at the stressors that David speaks about. Uh, we're going to talk about worry today. Then we're going to talk about busyness. Uh, then we're going to be talking about uh, fear and hurt and guilt and lack of guidance, and dark valleys. All things that every one of us can relate to. That's what the 23rd Psalm is all about. And so we're going to be talking about uh, this good shepherd and uh, inviting us to think about the wonder of what God teaches us in the 23rd Psalm. One of the things that I learned about sheep uh, and shepherding is that there are four things that a shepherd does. The first thing is a shepherd provides. And you get that, right? I mean, a shepherd provides. The shepherd has to provide the sheep with the sustenance that they need for their lives. They provide the food. You know, they take them to the pasture. They provide shelter for them. So they, they provide. They also protect, shepherds do, because sheep don't know how to protect themselves very well. In fact, I've heard it said that sometimes shepherds will say that sheep are some of the Pardon me, dumbest animals out there. Yeah, I'm sorry. No offense to you, Harbor. Which, by the way, I think it's so cool that his name is Harbor and we're at Lighthouse. I think that's just so cool. That fits, right? So the shepherd's job is to protect, provide and also protect and also to guide, right? The shepherd's job is to guide the sheep to go the right direction, to stay out of trouble. And then the last one, thing that a shepherd does is a shepherd corrects. And when a shepherd corrects, the shepherd is trying to make sure the sheep are behaving properly with one another, that they're going the right direction with their life, and that they are, uh, when they get out of line, they got to get put back in the line. And so that's part of what the shepherd does, provides, protects, guides, and corrects. So I want to just take the moment now to, to take Harbor and we're going to go out, and I want to say thanks to Meredith uh, Davis, who's a member of our family, and who she arranged to have Harbor come uh, today. She told me that there are not many sheep that will do this because they got to be halter broke. And for those of you that know uh, animal kinds of, farm kinds of, ranch kinds of things, uh, I understand a little bit about halter broke, but uh, I'm glad that we were able to get uh, Harbor here. Come on, buddy. Let's, uh, let's go on out, buddy. Okay, come on, Harbor. Come on. Yeah, there's a jump. 
Last service, when he made it to the door over here, he took a leap, and there were about 15 people that he wiped out on the way out. Um, just teasing. Just teasing. Come on. Come on. Thank you, Meredith. So appreciate it. Isaiah 40 is a great verse that uh, speaks about God as our shepherd. Let me invite you to follow along as I share it with you. Isaiah 40, verse 11, what's it say? He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a great way to think about God as our shepherd? And not only that, but in, a, in a Philippians 4, 19, it says, My God will meet your every need out of his riches in the glory that is found in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say God will meet your greed. It says God will meet your need. Uh, it, it doesn't say that God might or intends to, or if he thought about it long enough, would do it. It, it says God will meet your every need. Out of his riches. Because of the riches of God, God will meet our needs. It's about God's character. You, you understand that really what David is trying to say to us is that God's character is to be the shepherd of our lives. God's character is on the line. So that if God isn't going to meet our needs, God's character is on the line in that respect. He's either going to do it, God will, or God is a liar. One of the two. So let's talk about this first stressor uh, that we're going to be looking at. It's different stressors throughout the series. And this one is worry. And uh, I want to invite you to just shout out uh, things that we worry about. What are some of the things that we worry about? Just shout them out. Children getting in trouble, finances. What was another one? The unknown. The things that we don't know about. Yeah, what else? Health. What else? Relationships, children, there are, uh, if we were to make a list, the list would be long, wouldn't it, of the things that we worry about? But the thing about worry is that it never gets you anywhere. Worry is a lot like being at a stoplight in your car and putting your car in neutral and then revving the engine. You maybe get a lot of noise and maybe even a bunch of smoke, but you're not going anywhere. You don't accomplish anything when you do that. Worry doesn't help you do anything. It doesn't solve anything. It won't change your past. It doesn't change your future. It does make you miserable today. It exaggerates your problems. It makes mountains out of molehills. The Bible says we're not supposed to worry, that we were not made to worry. We were not created to worry. So today is about learning how not to worry. And so I want to begin by just stating what the Bible says is the antidote to worry. And that is the very first verse of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd in the CEB. It says, I lack nothing. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. The RSV and King James versions maybe say it in a way that you're more familiar with. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want it says, uh, if, if, if I let the Lord be my shepherd, how is that an antidote to worry? That's a relevant question in this. And what I would invite you to think about is, is to think about the insurance that you buy. You buy insurance for your car, for your house, for your boat, for any number of valuable things. And the idea behind insurance is 
to try to keep your worry to a minimum, right? Uh, that's really the truth of it, because if you get in a car wreck and you don't have insurance, you better start worrying immediately, because uh, that burden is going to be all on your back. Insurance is designed to help us deal with problems as they arise. When something happens, whatever's covered, you don't worry about it. And I'm not going to go into, uh, down the dark road of talking about whether an insurance is going to cover something or not, but that's why we buy the insurance is because we want to relieve ourselves of the worry. Maybe you've heard that in the Bible there are over 7,000 verses that contain promises that God gives to us. They're like insurance plan policies, if you will, 7,000 of them. God's speaking to us about life and about how he cares for us, about how he loves us, about how he wants the best for us. All of these promises that God gives, which is really about giving us the best insurance possible. But we worry in spite of it, don't we? It's unhelpful, worry is. It's unreasonable. It's unhealthy. You know that's true, don't you? It's unnecessary if Jesus is your shepherd. Anytime you worry what you're doing, what you and I are doing, I'm not going to throw you under the bus because I'm right there with you. Anytime we worry what we're doing is we're acting like atheists, people who believe there is no God. That's what we're doing. That's really, we're really being practical atheists when we're worrying. In essence, we're saying, I don't believe God's going to keep his promises. I don't trust God is really what it says when we worry. We live very often in that old slogan that you've heard before, if it's going to be, it's up to me. In other words, I'm the king of my world. Many of us live that way. The Bible says we must learn to live a different way. So how do I make God my shepherd? God is not the shepherd of everybody. God is only the shepherd of those who actually invite him, who, want, who ask him to be my Lord. You can't, be, you can't invite him to be your shepherd without allowing him to be your Lord. You have to stop. I have to stop playing God, pretending that we are God, and let God be God. For God to be Lord means for God to be in control. For God to be in control means that God is calling the shots if Jesus is not calling the shots of your life, then he is not the Lord of your life. If he's not the Lord of your life, then he's not the shepherd of your life. Is he calling the shots for your life? In John 10, verse 14 and 27, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know me. They listen to my voice and they follow me. Jesus said, if he's going to be Lord of our lives, we have to know him. And knowing him is not just about a decision of our head. It's about our head and our heart. Because you really can't know Jesus unless you know him with your head and your heart. You've got to listen to Jesus. Jesus said, not only do we know Jesus, but we've got to listen to Jesus. I remember many times as a kid, my mom saying to me, are you hearing me? And that was mom's way of emphasizing the right syllable in our conversation about trying to make sure that I was listening to what she was saying. Jesus said, if you're going to call me Lord, you have to know me, you have to listen to me, and you have to follow me. If someone gives you directions 
about getting from one place to another if you're not using your navigator. If someone says, go this way six blocks and this way four blocks and then turn left, uh, the only way that you're ever going to get there is if you follow the directions, right? That's the only way that you'll ever get there. So Jesus says, to call me Lord means to know me, to listen to me, and to follow me. All the worry that we worry about, whatever we worry about, is essentially about the issue of control or lack of control. Is there anybody in this room today that has control issues? I would venture a guess. Let me, let me just and say thank you to those of you who threw your hands up. But, you know, I'm being a little bit facetious here because if we're truthful, every single one of us would raise our hand when we're asked, do we ever have struggles with control? Because everybody in this room, if you are alive, you have issues with control. And control is about things that we want to go our way. We worry about the government of our, these United States. We worry about the economy of the United States and the world. We worry about our kids. We worry about our environment. We worry about our bank account. Or well, we worry, worry, worry. And the root of worry is really about control and about how we want control. When I ask the question, do any of you worry, I saw a couple of people go like this to the person sitting next to them, like, hey, yeah, they have control issues in their life, but you know, the truth of the matter is all of us wrestle with issues of control. I had, had someone tell me a long time ago that worry should be like a warning light on your car. You know, if you're, something's going wrong with your car, there's a warning light that shows up on your dashboard to tell you what you need to be concerned about. Worry should be like that light in our lives because it should remind us when we begin to worry that what we're doing is we're taking control back from God about our whatever we're worrying about and we're saying, God, you're not big enough to handle that. We're trying to control it ourselves. So who's, control, who's in control of your life? God gives you the option of allowing God to be in control of your life, or you, have, you can decide whether or not you're going to be the one that's in control of your life. I love the way Dan said it a few weeks ago, uh, something I've heard many times as well, when, when someone refers to God as a gentleman, in, in, the, in the kindest sense of the word, that God is a gentleman in the respect that, that God does not force himself upon us. He never forces himself upon us. He's always offering to us a relationship. But we're the ones that have to make that decision. We have to decide whether or not we're going to follow Jesus or not. So the options are, am I going to be in control of my life or am I going to give that control over to God? God doesn't co-pilot because if God co-pilots, we're probably headed for a crash and then we're going to blame God for the crash, right? That's kind of what we do. So there are two things, at the very least, that we can do to deal with the worry in our lives. And the first one is to pray about everything. You know, it maybe sounds trite to some of you. The Bible says we should pray unceasingly. We should pray about everything. But it is not a trite thing at all. It is the most profound thing that we can do, and that is to pray about whatever is going on in our lives. Because it helps us give that over to God, to pray to pray and pray. I can say without, without exception that part of the reason that I'm standing before you today, getting healthier as I go through my days, and Chrissy as well, part of the reason that we are both doing well recovering is because of the prayers that have come our way. No question, no doubt about it. 
You know, one of the things that I know is that, that we, we should be praying about all the stuff we worry about. God wants us to just be investing in that conversation with God every single day. That as we go through our day, as we're driving down the road, as we're making dinner, as we're working out in the yard, whatever it might be, to just have this continual conversation with God. Because as we have that conversation with God, we begin to learn to trust God more and to give those things that we worry about over to God. Some of you might be thinking, well, I don't really have time to pray. Well, you have time to worry, don't you? What if you prayed instead of worrying? How would that impact your life? Instead of worrying, if we just immediately flip the switch and say, I'm not going to worry about this. I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to say, God, I'm struggling with this issue in my life. I need your help to help me show the way through this. Worry doesn't change anything. Prayer changes everything because it says, I put my concerns, my worries at your feet, God, and I'm trusting you to show me the way through these things that, are wor- that I worry about. Whenever we worry, we have two options. We can pray or we can panic. Which one are you about? Listen to what it says in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. This is from the paraphrase called The Message. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. I love that last phrase. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Other versions, other translations say, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough for us to pray about because God's ability is greater than our anxiety. God's ability is greater than our worry. In 1 Peter 5, 7, you've heard this verse, I'm sure, before. It says, throw all your anxiety onto him because he cares about you. Throw all your anxiety on him because he cares about you. This word throw in the Hebrew is a word that, that, that depicts someone carrying something monstrously heavy in their arms in the Hebrew. Carrying this imaginary box, if you will, that just has great, great weight. And to throw it is to simply drop it, to let it go. In other words, the Hebrews want us to understand that too often that the burdens that we are involved in are things that we choose to carry. We need to drop those things and allow God to carry them for us. It says, throw all your anxiety to on, onto him. Whatever stresses us, whatever we're upset about, whatever we're worrying about, whatever we're irritated about, give all those things over to him. One of my uh, other favorite translations of this is, is, it says simply, cast your anxiety onto him. And I like the word cast because it's, it's a word that conjures up the idea of a fisherman. And it reminds me that we are, with our worry, a lot like fishermen. We put the bait, we put the worry on our line and we throw it out there. But as soon as we get it out there, we start reeling it back in and pulling it back toward us instead of giving it over to God. Cast all your anxiety on Him. A second means of dealing with worry has to do with taking, learning to take life one day at a time. And you know this is true. You've heard it many times before. It's biblical. Jesus said, let let." Let today's worries be enough. 
Don't worry about tomorrow because today's got enough all on its own. Learn to take life one day at a time. I know that in the darkness and the desperation of some of what I've been through in the last couple of months, when, when the pain was, was just, just uh, ah, what is it? When the pain was, was overwhelming to me, and not just the physical pain, but the emotional and spiritual pain that came along with it, in those times, I began to worry. I began to worry about whether or not I was going to make it another day or what was going to happen in another week. Was I going to get better? What's going to happen in a month? What's going to happen in six months? Who's going to take care of Chrissy if I'm gone? Oh, those are the things that I began to worry about. And in the midst of one of those times where I was having this pity party for myself, when the darkness was especially dark, I I sensed the Spirit of God rising up in me and, and, and saying to me, who says all this is going to happen, Frank? Why are you worried about all this? You need to trust me with tomorrow, and and let me walk you through today. I'll get you to tomorrow as well. We need to trust. We need to understand that that choosing is something that we all have the ability to do. We can choose to worry, or we can choose to give it over to God. And we've got to do it on a daily basis. Sometimes we've got to do it on an hourly basis. I've got to choose again to give this over to God, to stop worrying. Jesus, when he was asked in Matthew 6 by his friends, Teach us to pray. How can we pray? Jesus, in portion of that prayer, said, Give us today our daily bread. Just deal with today. Don't worry about tomorrow. If you were to go read the 23rd Psalm, you will find some interesting words that David uses in the context of these short six little verses. You'll find that 17 times in those verses, he uses the words I or my or me. The word you is talking about God is used five times, and he or his is used about seven times. And what David is intending for us to understand is that this psalm is really about a relationship. He uses first person pronouns to help make the point that if you really want God to be your shepherd, you've got to be in a relationship with God. It's not about a religion. Being religious does not make you right with God. Being religious does not make you uh, own God as your shepherd. Religion doesn't get you to stop worrying. You and I need a shepherd who provides, who protects, who guides, and corrects. That's what God made us for. God made you. God made me so that we would recognize that he needs to be our shepherd. And once we finally get that straight, then our lives begin to turn a direction that we could never understand before. So I want to invite you today. I want to challenge you today. I want to ask you if you would have the courage enough today to make Jesus your Lord. Maybe you've heard somebody say, have you made Jesus your Lord? Maybe you've heard it a thousand times, but never really done it here. Maybe you've done it some here. Yeah, I think there is a God. I believe that maybe God sent Jesus. I, I, I kind of believe in Jesus, but, but you've got to get it here. You've got to make him your Lord. It is the most important decision you can make in your entire life to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you today to make that decision, to make him your shepherd today. Let me close with one last little illustration. It comes from a chaplain. He was a hospice chaplain. 
he tells a story about how he got a phone call one day to go visit a family that had a 10-year-old son that had been put on hospice care. He was dying of cancer, 10 years old. Can you imagine what that would be like? When, he, when the chaplain spoke to the, the little boy's mother, uh, the mother told the chaplain that they're a family of believers. They believe in Jesus Christ. They know where their son is going. But they, they just wanted to have some extra encouragement. They, she said that the people from our church have been great. Our pastor has been great. But I wonder if you would just mind coming and, and spending a little time with our son. And he said, of course, I'd love to. So he goes to the house, meets the family, and they take him in to see the son. And, and he begins this conversation with him about all this that he's dealing with. He, and he, you know, he owns with the little boy that this is challenging, this is hard, this is stressful. And, and uh, the chaplain eventually says to him, you know, the Bible talks about how God is our shepherd. Have you heard that before? And the, the little boy said, yeah, I, I know. God is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And the chaplain said, I had somebody tell me a long time ago that whenever I got worried or afraid about something, that I need to remember that the Lord is my shepherd. And he said, he, said, he taught him a simple way to remember that. He said, just, he, the chaplain told the little boy, just put your finger out like this. So the little boy did. And the chaplain said, this friend told me that this is a reminder of the staff of the shepherd. It's a stick. And the staff of the shepherd is there to remember, to remind us that we need to follow the shepherd and that In order to follow shepherd, we need to hold on to the shepherd. So he said, my friend told me that when life gets hard or I get stressed or I'm worrying about something, I need to just grab a hold of the staff of the shepherd and to remind me that he knows how to lead me. He knows how to take me through this. And the chaplain said, I would encourage you to do that. Whenever you're feeling worried or afraid or sad or whatever it might be in in these days that are ahead, just keep hanging on to the staff of the shepherd. The mother uh, after it was all said and done, the, the, the chaplain leaves. The mother calls the chaplain about a week later. Amidst her own tears, she lets the chaplain know that her son has died. And uh, the chaplain, of course, said, oh, I'm so sorry. What a sweet boy he was. I know this is just a huge heartache for you in your life. And, and, and the mother said, thank you for all that. She said, the reason I had to call you was because of what happened at the end. She said, I, I, I got up from his side and went to the other room, went to the kitchen to get some food. Uh, and I came back, and when I, when I came back, he was gone. And, and there he was lying in his bed, and, and he was dead. And she said, but there was something that was amazing that happened. That was that on his chest, he had his hand out, and he had his, his hand holding that little finger. That was, that was the way I found him when, we, when I came back into his room. She said, thank you for helping my son know that the Lord is his shepherd. Friends, If you're willing to trust God for what happens to you when you die, do you trust what God's going to do for you when you die? If you're willing to trust God with what happens to you when you die, why don't you trust Him enough to trust Him for the remainder of your life? If you trust Him for when you die, how about the remainder of your life right now? Why don't you and I get busy trusting God and quit worrying? Because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let's pray. Holy God, forgive us in those times in our own lives where we get caught up in, surrounded by, filled up with worry. Lord, everybody here does it. 
we confess it today. And we also, God, even as we confess it, we say, God, we want to give all that stuff to you. Help us to learn to pray about everything. Help us to learn to live one day at a time. Help us to trust you as our shepherd who provides and protects and guides and corrects. God, we thank you that you love us so much that you would provide that leadership in our lives. We praise you for the gift of Jesus, our great shepherd, in whose name we pray. Amen.